and welcome to the Super Fun Time Podcast Thingy Hour, the sort of podcast, sort of YouTube show, where we discuss any and all topics in the world of nerd. I'm your host, Jordan, and I'm, as always, joined today by my good friend, Matt, our once again returning special guest, Rob. And today we have another special guest joining us. It's Josh! Say hello, everyone. Hi! <laughs> today is June 24th, 2020. Um, last week, we talked about some of the more, um, some of the most influential games we've played, which I thought was a blast, so be sure to check that out if you missed it. Today's topic is Back in My Day, a uh, casual discussion of how uh, technology has changed in our lifetimes. Um, I initially thought it would be funny um, as a gag to begin every sentence that way, you know, back in my day, uh, until I realized that's already a joke that Seth Meyers does on Late Night, uh, and I don't want care to get sued. Uh, so instead, um, I thought a good place to start uh, would be to address what's probably just the most obvious technological change uh, in the last few decades, uh, the, prolifera the proliferation of the internet. Yeah. I'm on a bit of a unique boat here because I'm a bit younger. Right. But even then, it's like, Holy shit, it's gotten nuts. Like, it's so revolutionary. Like, I can't remember time without it. Like, I can't even think about what it would be like anymore. It's so integrated into my life. Even for me, it's kind of difficult going back, trying to imagine life without it. Yeah, I'm trying to think about it right now myself. And I always sort of, so I don't care about saying it. Like, I'm 32, I'm 33 in August. Um, it being July right now, or sorry, June right now. So I always think back to like my late teen years and how, you know, life was a lot slower and I seem to have longer days. My days, I know as time goes by, just the way your mind perceives time because you've experienced more of it, um, you know, it, it changes a bit. But I'm, now that Matt brings that up, like I really don't think about life before the internet all that much. Like everything is sort of really based around it. Like our jobs, like a lot of people during this COVID lockdown have been, you know, able to continue working because of the internet. Like that wouldn't have existed 30 years ago. People would have been fucked right now. Yeah, could you imagine? That, that makes me feel really old because I do remember the time before the internet. <laughs> and like, that fax machine sound that you would have to have when you were doing your dial-up and getting online and like being being that we didn't have like the greatest computer to begin with it took that much longer for us to be going online to do anything right and my first recollection of internet is obviously like AOL instant messenger right and I took a look at that not too long ago and I'm like god right am I really that old like, did I do that back in the day? Yeah, we, my family actually got internet, like, we came to the game pretty late, actually, so we never had to worry about dial-up, but for some reason, I still have a large collection of AOL sampler CDs. Um, but yeah, like, uh, Rob, like you said, like, how it's allowing everybody to even work right now, but, like, even what we're doing right now, sure. facilitated yeah. by the internet, and uh, the entire podcast itself was, was inspired by, uh, you know, being in this lockdown and having no other way to communicate with people. 
and like after this it's going on the internet it's going to be hosted on youtube and you know anchor and spotify and all that stuff and it's uh i mean to call it like revolutionizing our lives is the understatement of the century it's like not only is it difficult remembering what it was like without it but it's like everything that we do seems to get tied back to the internet somehow mm -hmm. yeah i was speaking on I think it was Saturday. I went to one of my coworkers' places and we were chatting um, just sort of about people's online profiles and not to bring up politics or anything, but you know, Google and Facebook, et cetera, sort of builds an algorithm about your personality. So it's, you know, it forces news and, um, you know, threads that are sort of your interests and sort of keeps you in an echo chamber. And I was watching a Ted talk the other day, where there was an African-American gentleman who uh, made a YouTube video. And as we all know, YouTube comments are a cesspool. So some people said some extremely hurtful things to him. So instead of just you know getting offended, he wanted to see where these people were coming from. So he tried to you know, start getting more um, for, you know, let's just admit it. It was some like white supremacist type terms. So he tried to get some of that really far right information thrown at him. Um, but he couldn't beat the Google algorithm. Like it knew who he was and it wasn't going to send that information in order to do it. He had to create a fake online profile. And you know, this is getting into the whole 1984 thing. I'm like, you know, big brothers watching and whatnot. I'm actually reading 1984 right now, but um, you know, it's, uh, I forget exactly why I brought this up, but you know, it's just interesting really like how much the internet has changed in our lives really, right? And has such a bearing on it. Um, I said before, I don't really remember uh, before the internet. I, I should rather say, I don't think about life before the internet. Like, I mean, it existed when I was a teenager. I can remember emailing friends, chatting on MSN Messenger. Um, it came out, the internet came out when I was in grade school. Um, my school had like Netscape Navigator came out before Internet Explorer blew it out of the water like the same week. Um, the very first website I ever went to was WWF.com because I was into wrestling when I was like, you know, seven years old. <laughs> and, and which one did yeah, you yeah. do? Wrestling or the Wildlife Foundation? I was right? the wrestling still at the point, at that point in time, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember that was such a novelty at the time when you would first start seeing web addresses being like printed on places. Yeah. And then having the idea of like, wait a minute, when I can go home, I can like go on my computer and look up something else and get like some supplementary information about whatever I was looking at. Uh, I don't know why this one sticks out of my mind, but for some reason I remember in 97 when uh, Batman and Robin came out and it, uh, it being burned into my brain on the poster, www.batman-robin.com. And for some reason, thinking that was such a cool idea that you could like get some ancillary entertainment to the movie. Is that site still up? I am checking right now. It probably <laughs> just takes you straight to Warner Brothers or something like that. I mean, the Space Jam site is still up. It takes you to DC Comics and to Superman's page. I wonder if it just takes Superman. Uh, let me try it again. Batmanrobin.com. Um, yeah, it just takes you to Superman for whatever reason. What the like hell? Batman-Robin.com, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and that was another thing too, now that you mentioned like 
specifying the hyphen because that was such a new thing for me um to see that i was like oh i better remember like exactly how this is so the whole www thing wasn't taken for granted like i was like oh i gotta remember three w's at the, the beginning and, and the, the dot. dot com like that was a totally new thing i didn't even understand what that was for or whatever so i think i even remember writing it down so that i wouldn't forget it i even did the https yes <laughs> yeah you know when to slash yes, which right? slash is it oh no right? <laughs> yeah probably actually that's a good point josh it probably didn't have the s back then it was just, it was just http yeah sure they didn't have SSL like security at that point because nobody was out there, you know, fishing for info and whatnot. Jordan, would you do that? Up, <laughs> Jordan, you bring up, uh, you know, seeing something like a product and then going and looking it up. I remember the first time I did that. Also, you guys remember that soft drink orbits that had like the little balls floating in it? I do remember it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it was just a novelty, right? It didn't last that long because it didn't taste great. It was just. It was kind of this, like this tastes like balls. Yeah, it was just you know a soft drink, but the the consistency of it was something of like a syrup, and in it like it's suspended at different points in the bottle were just like these little balls that were kind of chewy, whatever. Anyways, um, not unlike bubble tea, I, I suppose. But um, yeah, orbits.com on the bottle. So I remember going to the school library and typing in orbits.com, and then I was there, and I was like, what do I do now, right? <laughs> Some of those yeah, early websites are just, I mean, talk about the Wild West. They were really figuring it all out for the first time. Yeah, yeah sign the fan page. I thought the coolest thing that ever happened to the internet, and I mean, I'm, I'm the run of the litter here, is QR codes when they came out and they brought you right to the website. And you were like, mm -hmm. I don't need to remember anything now. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> Yeah, that is really, uh, is a, you know, it's a good point. Just the, like, the ability to store so much information in like a, you know, a unique code like that. You know, one by one, right? That's yeah. yeah. We've one used one. that work before as well. Like I'm a software developer. So we've had, um, we've had companies that like, you know, did cleaning. So when they would walk into a room, they would take their device and scan a QR code that was placed in the room, just a little sticker that they printed off. And it would give them like a list of things to clean, like make sure you clean, um, make sure you turn off the lights, make sure you mop the floors, like et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't just URLs, right? It would be able to store like bits of information like that as well. Hmm. Yeah, they are really, uh, you don't see them too often anymore, but yeah, they're a pretty cool invention. I just remember them popping up suddenly. And it's like, what the fuck are these little symbols? Like what's going on? <laughs> I didn't even think to take my like phone or camera or whatever out and like scan them. It's just like, what are these fucking, are like aliens here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and Matt, you touched on this uh, a few moments ago about how much the internet has done just for gaming. Like, yeah. it's, it's kind oh, yeah. of crazy thinking how we would have you managed can, without it. You can play with your friend without having to go to his house. Like you don't shit. have to be Luigi anymore because everyone you, can be yeah. player number one. You don't have to grab your N64, run over to his place, and play Goldeneye. This you got Counter-Strike. You got, you got Quake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I still, there's, so, there's pros and cons to that, though, because I still love, like, having a oh, bunch yeah. of real human beings crowded around one console. I, I hate online multiplayer. People are yeah. awful. <laughs> yeah, I've mentioned on the podcast before I'm a big... Uh, 
Rocket League yeah, fanatic. Rocket League is and <laughs> yeah, it's it's as toxic as it gets. See, here I we've got the best of both worlds, mm. right? We play mm. online games in the house, but our TVs are stacked in the living room, one over the other, and I play on two consoles with my brother in the same room online. Oh, wow, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> no screen looking. <laughs> no TV looking. Yeah, right. There was there's this hilarious meme I saw of someone trying to solve that, where they not only did they stack two TVs, but the, they also built like so like a bunk bed, but they were chairs. So they had like bunk chairs, and then they like put between them like a tarp, so they literally couldn't see each <laughs> other's screen. <laughs> but um. And uh, like speaking of the toxicity too, I think Rob, you also touched on when you were talking about YouTube comments. That's another interesting thing how the hey. internet has really changed our lives is the idea of like how, you know, one of the great things about the internet is that it's given everybody a voice. But one yeah. of the horrible things about the internet is that it's given everyone a voice. I'd maybe don't need to hear everything that everyone thinks about everything. Move. <laughs> Even like the censorship within it, like we've given mods the ability to, you know, sort of follow the rules of the community and ban things, ban people, etc. Um, but you know, the mods are just people like us. Um, I have a friend, uh, so like I'm in Hamilton, Ontario right now. I have a friend who's a mod for the uh, Hamont subreddit, and you know, it's just he's a uh, prominent member of society, uh, likes to help out with like city events and stuff like that, is really active in the community, like both digitally as well as tangibly, physically, I guess you could say, in IRL. <laughs> so he, uh, yeah, they made him a mod, right? And uh, yeah, like you're saying, it, it, it gives people a voice, people that, and, and that can be a dangerous thing, right? Because um, one thing that the internet allowed people to do was find people that were like-minded. Um, a lot of people before, for better or worse, might have thought they were alone. So instances where this was a good thing was people that were struggling with mental health illnesses or, you know, depression, et cetera, et cetera, things like that. Knowing that they're not alone and being able to reach out and, uh, you know, get the help that they need. And then on the inverse side, people that um, are malicious, uh, we look at things like ISIS, right? Um, they use the internet and the dark web for, like, recruiting and... Uh, planning things out for not to get too far into that. <laughs> Hell, even something is it, like innocent in comparison as like 4chan. Mm. Mm. Yeah, 4chan's right there on the cusp of, uh, you know. <laughs> the hacker it, known as 4chan. 4chan is like still like, it's the closest thing that there is to today of like the old west of the internet still seems to be holding on to that philosophy of, even though there are mods, it's like as little regulation as possible, kind of. Yeah. I think the ones that I like the most on the internet there are the, the malicious intent without the means to harm trolls, right? right. So I, I had to start on the internet that way too. That was everything I wanted, like-minded people that were just going around and, you know, poking at things that you have no reason to be there for, but you just like to say, hey, what about this? What about that? And it's like, he's that guy, get out of here. 
on that note, I can remember <clears throat> when I was, you know, like 13, 14, whatever, uh, having LAN parties with my buddies, and we would end up going on chat rooms. And like at the time, at that point, troll didn't exist, but we would just troll people. We would go in and like, it got to a point where we were both like on separate computers in the same chat room, and we would just flood chat rooms. Um, and then people would kick us out. We would like change our name and then jump back in and just start flooding again. <laughs> These people are like, you know, probably lonely at home, just trying to have some human interaction and us being little shits, just flooding chat rooms, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's great that like it's, um, it's facilitated the, the ability to like form new communities and find people that share your interests out there and everything. Um, but like the flip side of that is you find people you maybe didn't want to find. Sure. And um, yeah, like, well, like a good example, even like right now is um, like, well, I guess I don't even need to get specific about it. Like generally cool. speaking, there's so much disinformation. So there's like the active, the active spreading of, of lies and disinformation. And then also the idea of like, again, how like, Oh, it gives everyone a voice, but, are they voices necessarily worth hearing in terms of who we look to for like sources of information? Um, like there was a great meme I saw yesterday of like how, you know, take somebody who is an honor student high school, goes to med school for three years, gets their degree, then goes, does another three years, gets their PhD, then, you know, volunteers and, and, uh, and works for free in like labs and stuff. And then finally, after years, finally breaks into the industry, then works for years as like a, you know, a grunt. And then finally gets into a position where they can start doing some real serious research, does that for years, then comes across, you know, some new discovery, spends years of more research, like getting specifically onto, you know, some new, some new uh, uh, discovery and then, uh, you know, publishes results, goes through the entire, the, just the extremely rigorous uh, uh, gauntlet peer, of, yeah. of peer review and, uh, and all that. And then more, more time spent in forming hypotheses and theory gets formed and then it finally gets published. And then, and then you know, uh, the news sources will report on it. And then some asshole on the internet just goes bullshit. <laughs> and like, that's just the end of it. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't realize that you're the the woke crowd knows better than the experts. Yeah, yeah ten years ago, that guy said a joke, so he his career has to end. Yeah, yeah, that's true too. Yeah, forever. Yeah, it's uh, you were just mentioning also like. On the actually that meme that you're speaking about, Jordan, I actually shared that myself on Facebook. I, I came across the same one. I thought it was brilliant. I'm like, it's so true, right? I don't want to get into um, you know the, the what's right and what's wrong, but you know uh, along the the mindset of like anti-vaxxers, um, you know, that's the same thing with these people that spend so much time in school researching and you know uh, testing out these vaccines and stuff, and then. Somebody like Jenny McCarthy comes up and is like, no, don't vaccinate your kids or something. It's like, really? And then that voice gets spread. Well, again, not saying whether it's right or wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, it's given a voice to, uh, actually on that same note is uh, Flat Earthers as well. I think we can all agree that that's a little <laughs> silly. 
But uh, <laughs> they found each other, right? Yeah. Uh, they sure, all around the globe, they found each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's the funny part, too, is that if you like understand the science behind it, the internet literally doesn't work if it's a flat earth. Like it works because <laughs> satellites are positioned where they are, right? <laughs> yeah, GPS and everything like that as well. It's like the triangulation. <laughs> um, going Is back again to people finding like, like-minded people, et cetera, the whole um, internet dating thing, like people finding uh, partners. I mentioned, I think on the last podcast, uh, we were speaking about video games. Was either that one or the one before, uh, two weeks ago, I had, a, I had a friend in college who met his wife playing World of Warcraft, right? Not even going out into your eHarmonies or whatever, or, you know, uh, Bumble or Tinder or what have you, just yeah, playing a video game online. Video game. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. For sure. It's interesting, too, how... Um... Uh, like, I guess I'm still thinking about the misinformation aspect of it, how access to information has been kind of weaponized. Like, um, like on, again, I, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, it's, you have access to every fact that has ever been learned by the species at your fingertips. It almost comes off as like, not exactly an insult, but like a kind of an annoying waste of your time when someone asks you something because it's like, what are you asking me for? Just fucking Google it, right? And there's that, let me Google that for you. Let me Google that for you. I love that. <laughs> but at the same time, that's what kind of like makes the Jenny McCarthy's of the world feel like they're somehow on par with the experts because they have access to the same information as everybody else. But access to information is doesn't equate to understanding of it yeah when you have partial facts and not the whole picture it's easy to come to a an incorrect conclusion right well that's the uh that's the thing that's happening with everybody who's going to the doctor going uh, you know i have this and this because i looked it up online and i yeah. said oh yeah that was, those are the conditions so now you've got to medicate me for that right like oh, this yeah. is what i need you're not a doctor the internet's the doctor <laughs> yeah or I have a stomachache, the internet's saying I have cancer. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Of course, Apparently I'm pregnant. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> On the flip of that, though, like, you hear stories now about how, like, surgeons are able to, like, wirelessly perform operations and stuff like that. It blows my mind. Yeah, it's here to you, like... I, I would never get somebody to like operate, yeah. in, you know, cross the sea going, okay, well, what's the latency time on this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. leg so I'm lagging. God damn it. <laughs> yeah, what, what's that uh, expression? Um, video games don't make people violent, leg does. It's yeah. <laughs> funny, I've never heard that before. That's good. <laughs> Well, now the new thing I hear all the time is I got out pinged, right? Yeah. You didn't kill me, man. I got out pinged. Isn't that, uh, that's the same thing, man. It's called lag. Yeah. yeah. Your new refuse lag, right? I hit it on my screen. Yeah. Oh, there was something I was about to mention about uh, uh, just the sharing of information. Uh, it slips my mind. Maybe it'll come back to me. 
but yeah, I mean, technology is just, it's been crazy. I was just, uh, you know, thinking about the podcast earlier um, and something, I, I just like a story uh, I remembered about three years ago, uh, my two younger sisters graduated from high school. One of them graduated a year early. So I bought them uh, like that, uh, that Dr. Seuss book, Oh, the Places You Will Go. Um, and just like, you know, a card uh, to congratulate them. And I went to sign the card and realized I don't own a pen. Um, <laughs> at this point, I was 29 or 30 years old. And because I'm constantly like, you know, on my mobile device, on a laptop, on my desktop, I'm a software developer. I literally never write things down. I type everything. I leave uh, voice notes to myself that translates it into text, stores it on Evernote for me, like, everything I do is digital. Um, so yeah, I had to go, like at this point in time, I lived above a bar. I had to go down to the bar and I was like, hey, uh, can I use a pen to sign some birth or some graduation cards here? Like, so yeah, going back uh, 15 years ago, well, probably more than that, right? Like the internet really took off in, well, I guess the dot-com bubble burst in 2001. So it was really like 94-ish, I guess, is when the internet first really took off when Netscape Navigator Internet Explorer came out and throughout the 90s like yeah go back to someone who didn't own a pen in the 90s like they would have been mm -hmm. insane but now it's just yeah. like yeah I get it. How you're talking about how like you do everything through your device that's I think maybe a good segue from the internet into smartphones because now everything is like through this little rectangle and everyone's got it in their pocket. Yeah I'm using like, one right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's crazy to think that like again everyone has in their pocket a device that has more computational power than the computer on the apollo land landing module when they landed on the moon for the first time yeah the the uh like processing power and just the amount of memory right that they have um on these devices is astronomical you see these pictures from, you know, the, like the seventies or whatever. And it's like the size of your basement. And it's like a yeah, five a gigabyte hard drive or something. And now we can store, you know, 120 or like 512 gigabytes on like a memory card, the size of my pinky fingernail. Right. It's, Absolutely. It's yeah. I, I used to belong many years ago to a, um, a film club and uh, the guys who ran it, um, were maybe about 20 years older than me. And so they were talking their version of back in the day. And the guy was saying um, the first PC he ever bought had a hard drive of 100 megabytes, cost $40,000, and required two grown men to carry it into the house. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and now it's smaller than your fingernail. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's really. Good. That's how I say no. Here's an interesting thing that thing that I think about the phones too, is um, like when's the last time that you used your phone to actually make a phone call? That's today. Yeah, I was it, my yeah? Mom when, I, when I call in sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's that's true. There's uh, there's still the occasional application for it, but. Tech, like typically, I think if you're like, oh, I need to talk to somebody, you're probably going to fire off a text or yeah. get on Messenger or something like that. 
I think it's funny because now it's like phone calls are like either it's an emergency or it's like, what the fuck? Why are you calling me? Just just text me. Yeah, like, yeah it's almost rude. It's, <laughs> yes, it's 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 really an imposition. I'm in the middle yeah. of dinner and now all of a sudden I'm being interrupted by this loud, obnoxious, blaring noise and. <laughs> Well, that's just, one of the things about like text, uh, like not only text, but just messages in general, emails even for that matter. Um, I guess emails and letters kind of had the same appeal, but letters took longer. Anyways, where I'm going with this is that it's a convenience factor. Um, for instance, I did, I, I did speak to my mom about an hour ago, and then I was killing some time before the podcast. So prior to COVID, um, the weekend, like the week that we went on lockdown, on the Saturday, I had another tattoo booked and like the deposit put down and everything. So needless to say, when we went into lockdown, we had to postpone my tattoo. So I was just tattooing my, or sorry, I was texting my tattoo artist, uh, you know, just before the podcast. And it was a continuation of a, um, a text conversation we were having on Sunday. It's just, he never got back to me for a few days. And then we just picked up and then, you know, I had to, he's like, well, let me check my schedule. It gets back to me in like 20 minutes and then, I get back to him with a time that'll work with me once I compare it. On the phone, you don't have all that information, right? So you make split second decisions and you hang up and you're like, damn, why did I make plans with that person? I don't actually want to do it. You were just put on the spot. So there is a huge convenience factor that the phone takes away because the phone forces you to like be on, right? It's a yeah. I think that there's a difference in age gap too where the I'm gonna say that us 20, 30 year olds, right, have come to grasp the concept of, I pick up my phone, I text, I throw it away, but like those 40, 50 year olds who are still, you know, like, I got you know, like, no son <laughs> at, they, right? they, like, they still like, have to call. Right, yeah, so that transition period that we went through that they didn't get still has that tie over, like now I'm teaching my kids about you know, go on the internet, do this, do that, but remember that what is cursive writing? You know, what is a piece of paper and why do we do what yeah, we do? Oh God, cursive writing. How do we put our thoughts over here and stay away from technology? Josh, it's awesome that you bring up the cursive writing because I was actually thinking about that anecdote last night. Um, I had this conversation with someone when I was going into grade seven where we were speaking about cursive writing. And, you know, like most people when I was that age, I was a smart aleck. I had a response to everything. You know, it's like, stop being a smarty pants. What do you want me to be, a dummy pants? Like, everything. <laughs> I had a response. I want to be a Kit Kat pants. Come on. <laughs> so I remember someone uh, speaking about cursive writing, and I didn't know how to, all of the capital letters in cursive. I could, you know, write all the lowercase letters, but I didn't know how to do a capital Q in cursive. Like, A, how often do you use that? B, like, yeah. cursive. So the person's like, well, like, you need to learn that stuff. What are you going to do without it? I'm like, print? They're like, well, printing's too slow. That's why you use cursive. I'm like, well, I can type faster than both. You know, you're going to get to a point in your life where you're not always going to have a computer. Yeah, literally, you can't see my phone. You can always have a computer on me at all times. Or I'm by one at least, right? <laughs> I don't think they even teach cursive in classes now. No, cursive is dead. Cursive is dead. dead. You just need to learn your signature. The reason that I was thinking about it yesterday was because the Ontario government announced that for starting in grade one, they're going to be teaching coding and personal finances to good. students. So jealous. As they grow so up. jealous. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, good, because even if it's not 
um, you know, actually writing code. It's getting kid, giving kids that logic. And then when you do end up in a job, most jobs are using computers anyway. You shouldn't have to call an IT guy. If something goes wrong with your computer, you should have basic debugging skills. I get our generation and the older generations don't necessarily have that, but the younger ones coming up absolutely need that more than they need cursive writing. Oh God, IT is going to be like a hated future. So I heard, but I haven't read into it yet. It's going to be linked in more logical with the mathematics side as opposed to like the creative and the arts, right? Sure. Yeah. That was the direction I always wanted to take when we were doing coding. You know, I didn't care about the back end and the numbers and how it works, but all I wanted to do was make that guy move and make him swing his arms <laughs> around, right? And yeah. It's it's a, a good foundation though, like, and it, I think it's one of those things, it's like, you know, music, for example, if you try starting too late in life, your brain just won't have the same plasticity to be able to pick it up the same way. That's why it's like always a great idea to like teach a kid an instrument, any instrument doesn't matter uh, at, a, at a young age and even if they, you know, abandon it later on. Uh, because it's such a, a great foundation to have that, that translates into so many other things. Like my experience with coding, I didn't start coding until I was 28. And um, boy, that was a slog for me. Like it, it felt like the equivalent of just being asked to learn Chinese in a couple of months. And then after that being like, okay, like I hope you can speak Chinese fluently now because now we're on to Spanish. Like good luck asshole, no. learn that in two months. <laughs> And it was just like, yeah, I just, I didn't, uh, like I washed out of that course totally. Well, I shouldn't say totally, but I didn't end up uh, finishing it completely um, because it just, the, the information overload. And like, I was told, um, you know, oh, like it doesn't, don't worry about, like if, you, if you've never coded before, don't worry if you have no experience, like we'll make sure that you get like educated properly or whatever. But there is something I think to, you know, if you don't have something from a younger age, the older brain like just has a lot of difficulty accepting it. Like a good, another good example is how I think it was, was it last week? I don't even remember what uh, topics we talked about in it. Um, yeah, I think it was last week. I mentioned uh, trying to teach my, my parents way back in the day how to play video games. And my dad couldn't comprehend the concept in Super Mario Brothers of moving and jumping at the same time. So he would either just walk into the first pit or just jump on the spot and nothing would happen, right? So uh, I don't even really care what the application is of coding. If you're teaching it to kids, I say there, there can be nothing but, but good to come from that. Sort of build off of that and going along with what you're, you're saying, like with your parents, um, you know, I think it was your dad specifically playing GoldenEye. Um, not understanding why people are shooting at him. It's like, well, stop, tell him to stop. It's like, well, just point and shoot at him, Dad. Anyways, um, you know, I, we had the, what I call the lobotomy question last week. Um, and the lobotomy question is, if you could forget X, what would you want X to be? So I've used that in the past being like, if you could completely forget a TV show and watch it all over again, like it's brand new, what TV show would you want to do that with? We did that with video games last week. And I believe it was Eric who brought up uh, the point that if you erased a certain game at a point in time, you wouldn't have played different, like a certain stream of games later. Like it was a foundation. Um, so it was sort of you mentioning that first pit in Mario where you learn to run and jump at the same time. 
that was the first step we took to playing World of Warcraft like years later where we're dealing with so many different things at once. If we had never jumped over that first pit, we would have never learned how to, you know, play games on the Oculus or something like that, right? And I think that's where it is with coding too. Um, the earlier and just to have any kind of foothold will sort of pan out later. Um, it's not saying you can't learn it later. I mean, I started learning how to code really at about 25 myself, um, but it's a lot more difficult, right? Exactly how you say, it's like swimming, for instance. I learned how to swim in my late 20s. Um, really? You see kids, uh, you know, at like five years old. And I can remember growing up and seeing kids swimming and being like, I wish I could do that. I just never learned as a kid. Learned how to skate and stuff like that, but just didn't grow up near water, just never swim. And then I went on vacation to Ecuador and I was like, I want to swim with the dolphins. So I took swimming lessons and learned how to swim, but it was hard as an adult. And also going into my swimming lessons, I was passing like four and five year old kids and I'm a grown man in tattoos and stuff. And I was like, oh, like it just felt so cheapish. <laughs> so the whole idea with um, smartphones, how, again, like I mentioned, we've all got them in our pockets, uh, all the access to knowledge that we could ever want. It makes me feel a little bit like in the matrix. When they want to know something, they just download the information right into their heads. It's not quite as uh, Orwellian as that for us right now, but it's, it's sort of the same. direct. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the close same. enough. It seems like the same principle, yeah. <laughs> I, although I doubt I could just be like, I want to learn how to fly a helicopter, and then I actually could. <laughs> but we're getting there. The first, time that, the first time that ever really, like, it, it occurred to me that we have either, depending how you look at it, either evolved or devolved to just Googling things. Let me Google that for you. Was uh, back when I was at McMaster, uh, some friends and I went to the pub after class, had a couple beers, whatever. Uh, we were headed back to our vehicles, and we, like college kids, busted out the hacky sack. We were having a cigarette, kicking the hacky sack around. And I don't remember how, but we were on the topic of space and just speaking about space exploration, et cetera, you know, as one does after having some beers. <laughs> but uh, we, somebody asked, like, I wonder how much it costs to, do, to like, you know, to have a space mission, like uh, paying the astronauts, paying all the people involved, actually building the shuttle, um, you know, getting all the fuel, etc. So in years past, you would have had an intellectual conversation and broken down these things, figuring how many people they need at ground control and yada yada, how much the average engineer makes, etc. Instead, I just busted out my smartphone and Googled it. And I was like, oh, it costs about $4.6 billion for a space mission. Done, end of conversation, about two minutes long, right? But it occurred to me right there, I'm like, this is life now. If you need to know anything, there is no discussion. We just look it up. We've lost that cognitive need, really. So again, I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> yeah, there. I, I definitely see the, uh, the downside to that. Although on the upside, um, it does mean far fewer trips to the library and having to spend hours and hours pouring through periodicals and trying to find some obscure fact. That was one of my least favorite parts of, of school easily is like, cause I really like writing, 
Um, I think that like, I'm pretty good at writing reports and essays and stuff like that. But the part that always was the most daunting to me was you yeah, having to go to the library and just find the facts that you needed. Yeah, the concept of learning and going to the library. Don't you feel, I don't know, somewhat foolish for being so gullible thinking that the internet was safe when it first came out, right? They're teaching you in school that this is how you're gonna be going and looking up and ignore the Dewey Decimal System, just type out what you need and it's right there. Well, what if I mistype, what do I find? What, did, what is this information I'm gathering that has nothing to do with anything or where did I go that I got I, I seen things that I shouldn't have seen and <laughs> I can't just unsee it. Just yeah. look at Wikipedia. Don't worry. <laughs> the, most, the most terrifying thing in our computer and on the internet and our smartphones are these. Uh, right? I can't tell uh, what it is. What is it? That's <laughs> <laughs> you mentioning uh, you know, seeing things that you shouldn't see. I can remember uh, it was before I was working full-time, so I was under 14, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 years old, going over to a neighbor's house because they had a high-speed internet connection. We only had dial-up, so he would let me, you know, do my emailing and surf the internet there. Anyways, at that age, I was really into the band The Bare Naked Ladies. I was a kid, right? Well, I mean, I still oh. <laughs> So anyway, yeah, at 12 years old, Googling Bare Naked Ladies, guess what okay. comes up? It's not the band. <laughs> There's a Been comedian. If you've heard of the comedian Jimmy Carr, he's got a great joke on that. Um, I always wanted to know why it is that German people are so fastidious. Whatever you do, don't look up German anal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we've been talking about the internet for a while um, and uh, smartphones. Um, what else going back in our day has changed? Um, I mean, there's the self-driving vehicles on the horizon. That's something that was only science fiction, right? You know, Batman hopping in a vehicle and being like home, and then it drives him home. As a kid, I was like, that's never going to happen. Now it's literally happening. As someone who's afraid of driving and does, does not like driving at all, I can't fucking wait. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I feel like a pretty confident driver, so my uh, reaction is slightly different. Um, I'm sure once it's like down the road, really perfected, everybody like we'll take it like for granted, like every other technological leap that comes our way, and eventually I probably won't think about it. But right now, it makes me genuinely nervous. <laughs> I don't know how long it would be before I trusted it. I think um, a good comparison. I had this conversation with my stepdad um, a year or two ago at one of the holidays, Thanksgiving or Christmas or something. And what I likened it to was probably the introduction of the automobile. Prior to that, everyone was riding horses, uh, carriages, etc. right? And then all of a sudden they were sharing the road with the Model T Ford. There was probably some people that were like, that's the bee's knees. And because that was the proper lingo at the time. The bee's yeah. And then there was other people who were just like, this is insane. This cannot happen. This That's is just sad. It's all about horses, right? And then obviously now we're just, if you see somebody riding a horse on the street, it's either a cop or an insane person, right? And those two aren't mutually exclusive. Ex yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even get that out. 
Sorry, it, that was a bad dig at cops. I, <laughs> it's slightly <laughs> off topic, but it does remind me of a Jerry Seinfeld joke. How he talks about, uh, you know, this car has this many hundred horsepower and it's all in horsepower. You know, we've been to space, you know, like the, the rocket boosters on the shuttle are 50, 15 million horsepower each one. Why are we still comparing it to the horse? Are they afraid that one day we're going to run out of fuel and we'll have to go back to the horse? Excuse me, we're trying to get to the moon. Do you think you could get 15 million of your friends together real quick? 15 million, that's a lot. <laughs> Josh, you mentioned on uh, on the break we took, you brought up the talk boy. Oh, man. That's, that's a whole, like, avenue that I can take with, like, technology that's, like, music in the direction that it took from the early 90s until now. It was like, um, yeah, so I, I have vivid um images of talk boy sitting in front of a speaker trying to make my own mixtapes because i didn't have a double-sided cassette that i could like record from one to the other and uh as soon as i saw it in home alone i was like mom i gotta have one of those and she's like okay you can have one for christmas and bam there it was and i'm like oh my god here we go music at my disposal right and i didn't even consider the concept of uh you know, like copyright or, you know, what does this mean if I'm like ripping somebody's music off and I play it and, you know, I used to play it over the house and everybody could hear it. And um, yeah, that, that avenue just took off from, do you remember uh, beta to, or what were we called? Eight tracks? Oh yeah. Played eight tracks. I, I never had an eight track player, but I, I'm familiar with them. Yeah. And so. then, uh, cassette was awesome and you know you flipped over and i definitely dad. recorded a lot of music right off the radio onto my yeah because i had a <laughs> a dual cd player cassette and uh yeah that was always interesting like if you because this was before i had like my own money to just go to the store and buy my own tapes or cds so if i wanted music to play back at my own leisure i had to catch it while i was playing on the radio so when I would play back the tapes, I'm sure I've still got them. It would be a real trip to to visit them again and see what was on at the time and what I, I liked that I wanted to record. But I, when I would play these tapes, usually the beginnings of the songs were cut off because it was always a case of, oh, this, that song I like, and you have to rush and be ready to hit record. <laughs> or you'd have those stupid uh, DJs that speak over the first 30 seconds of the song and stop right before the lyrics start. You know, like the musical intro is going and they're still like, and tune in next week to KBBL for like whatever. And then the second they stop, then the lyrics start. So you'd have that in your recording of the song. They yeah. still oh. do that. What else we Drives me nuts. I used to be terrible for trying to record while I was like falling asleep. And then I'd wake up with the music playing going, oh, I want to record that. And you hit it and it stops because it's at the end of the tape. <laughs> <laughs> oh right so i remember the first time i tried to do that it was weird al playing i'm like i'm oh i want to damn <laughs> you mentioned uh the talk boy is that what macaulay culkin had in uh, home alone okay yeah. i wasn't quite sure yeah and this is peter McAllister, the father <laughs> if we think back to that right um talk boy right it was gender biased at the time they came out with talk girl right yeah, and the yeah. pink version pink, for all yeah. the girls out there that 
Yeah, if you well, shake your head, it's just... Well, I guess it was meant to be a play on the Walkman. Yeah. Which, when you think about it now, too, if you follow that, like, technological progression, that ends up at smartphones, too, eventually. Because yep. you had the Walkman, and that was all, like, cassette-based, and then it got... Discman. Uh, it became the Discman, which I had a couple of. Discman. And then you had Discman MP3, which played all your discs that you... That was the first time I got into making my own discs. Yeah, totally. 800 yeah. songs or something on like four discs, right? Yeah. Oh, man, I burned so many CDs. Yeah, I had my mom rip the Smash Bros. Melee soundtrack of LimeWire <laughs> so we could play in the car. Oh, gosh. <laughs> don't, even, don't even bring up LimeWire. That, uh, that's the, as dark as the internet goes without literally going into the dark web. I saw a meme. Yeah, it's a little uh, dim. That's LimeWire. There was a meme that said, kids these days will never know what it was like to literally give your computer AIDS for free music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and then I guess after, like, uh, you Big could clip. get MP3s on CDs, then there were just straight up MP3 players and iPods. And, and, uh, and that, that seemed like it was going to be the way of the future. Like, Apple really had the market corner there. You couldn't even get for a long time, an MP3 or uh, MP3 player that wasn't an Apple product. Zoom. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, <laughs> Mr. Cool Guy. <laughs> yeah, I had a Windows phone. What are you talking about? Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and now everybody, it's just it's just all on your phone again now. Yeah. And even then, it's not MP3s. Like people just stream their music. Yeah, I have good yeah. music. Because for nine ninety nine a month, I have every song that's ever existed. If it doesn't yeah. exist, I probably don't want to hear it. Like, if it's not on that service, right? So, it, the reason, like, I paid for it, too, at first it was free. And they had, like, a commercial every so often. And I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. Because I was used to the radio anyways, listening to, uh, like, music on the radio. So, I was used to commercials. So, you listen to a couple songs, and they'd have, like, one 15-second commercial. I can do that. Then they realized no one's paying for the service because everyone's accustomed to commercials. So they started giving you a certain amount of skits you could have in a day. Um, so I was walking to work one day and I was, you know, flipping through songs on a playlist and I ran out of skips on Nickelback. So right then and there, I punched <laughs> in my credit card information, bought a subscription. That was about four years ago. I've never gone back. <laughs> Take my money. But yeah, pretty much. I was like, I can't skip Nickelback. This is it. I have to listen to this. Nope, I'm paying. Uh, I think that Silver Side Up holds up, <laughs> but everything else that they came after that was, I yeah, I couldn't even bring myself to listen to. I don't think I've ever heard any of their music other than uh, like the radio hits. I've never listened to a Nickelback album. Hey man, they made a song for the Spider-Man movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that was Hero. just Chad Kroger, I think. Oh, was it? It wasn't Nickelback? The singer from Saliva was with him on that. I think so. Yeah, oh. that sounds about right. And then Sum 41 had that song on there as well, where uh, Carrie King from Slayer played the guitar solo and shit. <laughs> okay, there's something with technology. I was watching uh, Demolition Man the other day. I'd never seen it. Watched Demolition Man at the end of the film. Oh, don't ruin it. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. It's from like the 80s. Oh, anyways, um, uh, I, I was, it's not the movie, but the end credits. Oh, okay, the okay. Song, <laughs> the song is by Sting. 
King. Sting wrote the song for, you know, the movie, and the song's called Demolition Man, and he's singing about Demolition Man. Then it occurred to me, that was a pretty regular thing. Like, there was the Ghostbusters song. Like, these yeah. artists would actually write songs for, for films, and it was like, you know, they were singing about The Matrix or, or something like that. And then there was the transition to getting um, licensed music um, used in films. Like, the Chemical Brothers wrote uh, songs for The Matrix, Rage Against the Machine um, was used in The Matrix, uh, Rob Zombie, etc. But then, you know, really, if you think back to our childhood, there was never licensed music. You wouldn't, like, turn on the radio and hear, like, the new song by U2 and then go to the movies that weekend and then hear that same U2 song in a movie. Now it's every song is, like, licensed. No, no, I don't know. Because I remember uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie, I think. <laughs> Right, and that was played by Roxette, and like Robin Hood was Brian Adams, right? Those were the theme songs for those movies, and you recognized right. what the movie was by that song. Sure, but the artists were writing the music for that movie. It wasn't that they were, you know, reaching out and being like, "Oh, these are the hot artists right now. Let's grab songs off of their newest albums because people will Love think this head. movie's cool because it has the new Beyonce on it." anything like that. I, I got one like this could be just me being a bit younger but uh Shrek <laughs> <laughs> literally opens to all-star yeah somebody wants to... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna go there <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> or the fucking the Digimon movie I love that soundtrack but it has one week from bare naked ladies in an anime movie <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! It's been like <laughs> so leading leading music into movies. Who remembers back in my day? There was something <laughs> called uh, VH1 or Much Music. Yeah. Yep. Transition yeah. where we went from VHS. radio. To, I mean, transition from radio to music video was before us or before my time. But I grew up with like Much Music being music, not some. Mm -hmm you know, Disney-type show that was trying to portray what high school was not like. and Yeah, absolutely. I remember yeah. A, yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, I, I just mentioned there off the, when you were rattling off the, uh, the different music channels there, I mentioned Speaker's Corner. But, like, that really was the precursor to people having blogs, really. Yeah. Um, you know, someone could go and pay a quarter, sit in that little box or whatever, and just rant for X amount of time. And it would get televised like that turned into youtube essentially and it, it was such um like it was like a one-to-one -one parallel to what we have now because sometimes people would be really interesting and then other people times you'd be like why is this person on television why am i listening to this it was yeah. an interesting experiment though makes you think <laughs> about whether or not you've got real problems in the world compared to this person yeah <laughs> I'm sure there were people there as well, like going into Speaker's Corner that were playing a character. Like I'm sure there was a lot of people that were true and real and talking about like the shit that they didn't have anyone to talk about. So they just went and spoke to a camera. But then, you know, there's probably people that understood comedy and you like, um, like Andy Kaufman, like understood that you mm. could just completely be somebody else. Dice Clay is an example of that as well. And yeah, they would just go in there and act like somebody else like uh, i'm thinking back to uh one of the first like youtube actors that i really was conscious of 
was uh, that Chris Crocker guy. He had that video, uh, Leave Britney Alone. Yeah. Remember oh, seeing yeah, yeah. that and being like, this guy's fun. And then I watched some more of his videos, and I'm like, oh, he's playing a character. Like, he's not actually this way. And then I was like, oh, I started paying more attention to YouTubers and realized it was just a completely different medium for entertainment put into the hands of the masses. And as you said, some are interesting, some aren't. <laughs> Going back to um, old movie technology. So I don't know about anybody else, but I have still a massive VHS collection. There's somewhere in my house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was especially fond of like the... Um, the great big Disney clamshell boxes that were just I miss those so much. I uh, I pulled out The Wizard the other day and watched that. Oh my so god. Bad. Yeah, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. It makes I me sad. I still don't I don't have a a working VCR any longer, but I can't bear to part with my tapes. <laughs> I only learned about The Wizard uh, a couple years ago. I was at my brother-in-law's parents. And my brother-in-law's brother-in-law, <laughs> his, uh, him and I were just like shooting the breeze. He was telling me how his nephews are getting into video games and stuff now. So he built like his nephew for his birthday, like this Mega Man obstacle course. And, um, you know, like they go back on emulators and play the old NES games, like the old Mega Man games and whatnot, or I guess Super NES regardless. Um, so we started speaking about like sort of the hive mind and, like going over to your friends' places, sort of what we were mentioning earlier, like now it's just this online multiplayer. But before you all got together, I spoke about Mario 3 and, uh, you know, how you would, everyone used the flutes, like the warp whistles. And I was like, how did people, like, was it just word of mouth that we learned where these are? He's like, well, there was also the movie The Wizard. I'm like, what is this wizard you speak of? <laughs> so he told me about the film. Uh, I went home and watched it. I'm like, okay, well, this did not age well, but it's pretty fucking cool that that's how people learned about the Super Mario Warp Whistle. It's so bad, it's good. Yeah, true enough. I love the Power Club. It's so bad. Oh, bad yeah. <laughs> Though even in the context of the movie, it was bullshit because then how did the kid know? Oh, he's <laughs> just a he's a video game genius, so yeah. he just knows. <laughs> okay. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's where Mario Three was debuted. Yeah. I believe you're right. Like no one knew about Mario three before that. And I can't remember if it's before or after, but one of the best things that uh, I remember, I remember after was video in arcades top ten. That right? <laughs> that was like a glorified version of what you could become if you did that kind of thing. And my parents were, you know, video games aren't going to amount to anything. You can't play video games all your life and. Now I'm watching esports on Twitch because I gave that up. My parents told me no, right? <laughs> and it was such a great marketing ploy too. There are so many games that I bought just because I saw them on video and arcade top ten. There's another one like Twitch. You know who would have seen that coming? One of the I'm, cool, like one of the things I did. We were speaking about Mario 64 and how it was just. Uh, you know, so influential in our lives. I remember running the N64 with the AV cables through the VCR so I could record myself playing onto tape, like playing Mario 64, and then watching it back later. Um, not to like improve my style, just because I was that big of a loser. But, um, you know, now people are literally broadcasting uh, like live for Twitch. And last night, one of my coworkers um, was on Twitch live coding he was writing some code in haskell 
and didn't really have a platform to do it to live code and let people you know tune in so he just spun up a you know a twitch session saying that he was playing destiny and then you went in and he was <laughs> writing some he was writing some database table in haskell or something like that and i was like you know that's pretty pretty ingenious i'm sure it's not original to him somebody else has done it before i'm certain um actually now that i think about it the uh the McGregor Mayweather fight when McGregor went from the NWA to, or sorry, um, UFC to uh, uh, boxing and they had that big boxing bout. Um, somebody live streamed it on Twitch and just put it as a video game to get around like the pay per view and all the copyrights. So you could go on Twitch and just watch this boxing. <laughs> free. Um, it seems yeah. like there's limitless potential there. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Like with YouTube, the idea like, oh, make your own videos, put them online, people, you know, see them whenever they want. But with Twitch, it's like having your own television channel that you can just tune into and anything goes. I guess, well, there's still like some strict regulation. Um, I've never even really used Twitch more than like once or twice, but, uh, and that was just for like a few, like, specific events because that's just where it was happening but um like stories i've heard is that they're kind of uh almost puritanical in a way like if a girl shows even just like a little bit too much cleavage they'll like cut her off and stuff like that yeah they're gonna be pretty strict sometimes i even heard a story about how uh some female streamer who uh was not like because uh, you do hear stories too about how some um, some individuals intentionally over sexualize themselves just for like the viewers or whatever. Yeah. There was this one female streamer who was not at all like that. Um, you might even have described her as slightly prudish, but she had her channel completely like deleted because it showed her bare feet. And apparently, Twitch. I don't know if this might have been changed, but they had some some like it was in the fine print or something some policy uh saying like no no feet or something weird like that i guess because there was like there were this must have arisen from some specific instance and they're like oh well now we're gonna need a policy for this because i guess there's like some like foot fetish porn in the yeah, world or something like that, that and you, that was sweet as a child. you like looking at her ankles right that was like a sexual innuendo is that you you know, in the past, you couldn't see a woman because she was all dressed up, but you could see her feet, and you were like, mm. skin. <laughs> <laughs> There's like another thing. We don't have to go too far into it because it's. Okay. <laughs> but that industry, we all know what I'm speaking of. It is one of the driving forces behind advancements in technology because mm. people want. You know this type of image like they want it streamed they want images faster they want that's you know, cameras stuff. so they're coming up with like you know various kinds of like way better ways to send the data faster um like it's really yeah like it's a driving force in refining the way that we send data because people need larger films transported around faster and things like that yeah, absolutely. And well, that's yeah. what VHS won, right? Exactly. Because yeah, VHS. That uh, industry. <laughs> that there was more. It was easier on that. The that's right. That that entertainment industry decided to go with that format. 
and uh, I guess um, Sony owned uh, Beta, and they um, held on to the rights that wouldn't let other companies. Oh, well, uh, Sony make won it. in the end. Yeah, well, you know that was that was uh, um, the interesting um, revenge that they got because later on there was also the feud between Blu-ray and HD DVD, yeah. and uh, this time Sony kind of learned their lesson. And um, at the time, when there was that format war, uh, I was working in a, a video rental store, which also is a very dated term. And uh, my manager at the time was convinced uh, that HD DVD was going to win out. And I said, why? And he says, it's because the adult entertainment industry, again, is choosing that format over Blu-ray. But again, Sony was like, no, no, no. Like, it was such a disaster for us last time. We're going to really go full hog and make sure that it gets into the hands of everyone who wants this technology. So they, they won the day there. I thought the adult film industry picked Blu-ray, and that's why Blu-ray won. I mean, another huge factor was the fact that, like, the PS2 or the PS3 had Blu-ray built it was into blue, it. It was a Blu-ray so, player, yeah. Right off, like, right out of the gate, you know, you got a console and the player. Yeah, um, absolutely. That was Xbox very big. Xbox 360, they adapted uh, HD DVD, but it was a separate box, right? Like, you had to buy it separately. They plugged in. I think it was USB or something like that. Yeah, you could play standard DVDs, but HD DVD, I think, was... Yeah, it was a separate box that you attached to it, not unlike the Sega... Sega CD? Yeah. yeah, the Sega Frankenstein. Yeah. <laughs> and that was sort of the same thing that sold off um, the PS2 so well, like built-in DVD It was DVD a DVD player. player. It was the cheapest yeah. DVD player. Yeah, because this, like, at the time, it was competing against the GameCube, which uh, didn't have a DVD player. Even the Wii, that surprised me. I was at a friend's place and their kid had a Wii. So Blockbuster still existed at the time. It was when the movie, um, was it 12 Years a Slave? Was that the name of the film? Yep. Yeah, 12 Years a Slave, 12 Years a Slave came out on DVD. So I went over to Blockbuster, rented it, went, popped it in the Wii, and it's like, cannot recognize disc. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? How does Nintendo not include, after all this time, not include a DVD player? So, actual fun fact, the Wii can play DVDs. There was, there was two models of it. Like, the cheaper version that didn't have Wi-Fi couldn't, but then there was, like, a more expensive version that could, or it was vice versa. No, they, they never officially implemented it. But it's... I thought I there know. was. Maybe in the future they did, but I don't recall that. Yeah, you can look into the files of the Wii, and there's, like, you know where it shows, like, the Wii and the GameCube disc? Off to the side of the HUD, obscured by the HUD, is a DVD logo. Hmm. So there were supposed to be three discs on the Wii. Okay, this is going to be, like, another one of those Pokemon things you can get Mew out of the truck, okay? I'm going to pop my Wii It's true, it's true. Just get up. Look, get up. (laughs) (laughs) And if you use, like, homebrew apps, you can play DVDs on your Wii. Yeah, 100%. That's this site that I'm on right now. You have to hack the Wii in order to be able to play the DVDs. But it has the feature enabled. Like, you're not modifying the actual hardware. Well, I mean, the discs are... It's it's just a Boolean thing, basically. They just turned it off. (laughs) DVD player equals true. (laughs) Because they couldn't get the rights to use DVD. They didn't want to pay for it. That's why. Wow. That sounds serious. I I had, um, uh, they don't, um, they they moved a long time ago, but there used to be a family on my block 
um, that was like, uh, I'm sure everybody's known somebody like this who was the first people to have everything. Yeah. And uh, this particular family was the first people I ever knew that owned a DVD player. They paid $1,000 for it. You used to know who had the money based on walking through the backyards, right? Because mm. anybody who had the satellite dish, that great big honker that's yeah. in half your backyard, you knew that they were going to be the ones that, you know, oh, this is out now? Hmm, I'm going to go over to so-and-so's house because <laughs> his dad's got it. For sure. <laughs> Good, good. Well, we've got about um, six and a half minutes left of this session. So um, let's see if there's a, a way we can uh, wrap this up in our last few minutes. Sure. Is there anything else um, maybe you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on? I kind of wanted to think about like, what do we think is coming up next? Well, yeah, coming up, like, I mean, the next big thing is going to be AI, right? And then we did do that panel. Um, yeah. Uh, with, it was last know, year. Yeah, at uh, Con Bravo last year, the ethical treatment of AI. Jordan hosted that panel, and I was I was on it with Matt as well as Kyle. Um, and uh, it is Kyle, right? Justin, ju well, Justin Kyle. <laughs> That's the thing. His name's like he has both names on Facebook, and it always throws me off. Anyway, That's, that's just selfish. Having two first names, come on. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Need some for the rest of us. Um, but yeah, I mean, AI is a huge thing, and we had a really good turnout for that. And there was a lot of good input from the crowd because we are introducing another entity. Sure, we're training it, but if it becomes, with machine learning, if it can learn, like uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, uh, I, I believe it was Matt that mentioned it, like the internet has everything. Every fact we've ever learned or recorded is on the internet. We create an entity that has a connection to that. It now knows everything, but as we also said, there is a lot of good and bad on the internet, some factual, mm -hmm. some not. So yeah. we can have AIs that go completely ballistic off of, you know, infactual information. The first Android that we build is gonna be the smartest and dumbest thing that has ever lived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, when, when the AI is scanning information off the internet, it's gonna go like alphanumerical order. You know, it's gonna pop up very early, right? Like 4chan. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go oh, we lost yeah, yeah it's gone it's gone <laughs> i forget where i heard it but uh i believe they created two ais i forget who did the experiment may have been google um and they let the two ais communicate with each other to see what would happen and one of the one of the first things the ais did was create their own language because english was inefficient it was taking too much time to transfer data. So they, these things created their own language. It's like, we lost. <laughs> Unplug, smash, smash. They're, they're out of our league now, right? Isn't that called a Furby? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, when the AIs take over Furbies and they start talking to each other, that's when we're like, okay, get off the planet. Get off the fucking planet. They, they so do we think that AI is actually going to come before augmented reality? Do you think that we're going to pull technology out and try and manufacture it before we submit ourselves into worlds and units and i mean i i bring up the uh concept of upload that's on uh prime right now i don't know if you guys have seen he, I haven't, but I when he dies right 
he gets put into the computer system, right? Kind of the same way that, uh, um, I don't know, like uh, John yeah, Zix level two. Like. Right, it's a digital afterlife, yeah. Okay. And Very so there's AI in that, but they only know what we know. They're not like self, right? It's a self-thriving, you're not. Right, yeah, yeah, I understand. Yeah, that's such, yeah, I think like more short term than uh, like uh, uh, an independent consciousness, we're going to probably delve more into the realm of like cybernetics. Like, um, mm. I don't know, you look at stuff like, uh, you know, even just going into a store and making a purchase with our debit, first debit cards were such uh, an advance and then you swipe them, but then, oh, you know, you got to put in a pin, um, but then, oh, we're going to switch now to a chip and now you can just tap them. So I think now the next step it. is it's just going to be in your hand or something like I, that. I don't mm. even tap the debit card. I tap the phone. The phones do that now. Yeah, that's right. you can just use phone to pay. Again, it all comes back to that, that yeah. rectangle that does everything. Yeah. I'm still waiting for when jetpacks and hoverboards come out. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of that, uh, that JT movie, In Time, where he's got his life on his arm, right? And his whole concept is, you know, I've only got so much time, but with my phone, right? That's, that's the thing on my arm, right? If I lose that, if that runs out of time or battery or something, I'm dead, right? Yeah. Like, I can't yeah. do anything. I can't call home. I can't take a bus, right? Like, I forget who it was. If it was, uh, if it was Musk, Elon Musk, or it, it was somebody, one of the, the big techie guys like that. And he was saying, like, you know, humans becoming cyborgs. Somebody asked him, like, you know, at what point do you think humans are going to, you know, be bonded physically with electronics, I think I actually brought this up at Con Bravo. Um, and essentially it's already happened. It's just like, we have these super powerful computers. They're not a part of us, but we, we have the information at all times. I'm connected potentially to 7 billion people in the world right at this sure. very moment. Every piece of information that's recorded, I am connected to it. All I have to do is look at my screen and sure, I can't do it with just my mind. I have to get it out of my fingers and then view it with my eyes, right? Sure. But and we are cyborgs, really. We, we have yeah. we have uh, internal examples of that. There's pacemakers. Um, sure. For, sure. for the deaf, we have cochlear implants, right? We're, I know we got a lot on the way. We got less prosthetic limbs, not to a yeah, degree, we, but like, we've got like a few seconds. So, so um, what about the concept of that bicentennial man? Robin Williams played a robot coming to life. Now we're doing the reverse roles where. Yes. You know, I have a Terry heart, Fox. heart and a lung, right? When do I become a robot? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's a great movie. On that note, we've, we're about to get cut off here, so we're going to have to end it here. Um, watch Bicentennial Man if you get a chance to. Thanks for watching, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast and are interested in other affiliated projects, you can check out my blog at curseyoujordan.home.blog where I write about some more esoteric aspects of games that appeal to me. Or you can visit my channel at youtube.com slash user slash show, where you'll find video game walkthroughs, commentaries, vlogs, and a video version of this podcast. Conversely, if you're currently watching the video but are interested in an audio-only version, you'll find that at anchor.fm slash superfuntime. The Super Fun Time Podcast Thingy Hour is produced by Jordan Rowmaker, Matt Frappa, and Eric McLennan. The opinions expressed are solely those of the individual. 
Thank you for listening.